Welcome to the Kixology Podcast, a show all about running shoes. My name is Brian Metzler, your host and resident running shoe geek. I'm also the author of Kixology, a book about the hype, science, culture, and cool of running shoes. In this episode, I talk with Danny Abshire, a longtime running gate expert, an entrepreneur behind the new Active 88 footwear brand, and one of the original founders of Newton Running. We talk about his new line of shoes, how he's still helping runners improve the mechanics with custom insoles, and a look back on the last 20 years of running shoe evolution. Thanks for tuning in. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hey, Danny, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Brian, thanks for having me. So we're here in downtown Boulder, about a block off the famous Pearl Street Mall, and we're in the Active 88 World Headquarters. Is that right? That's right. 800 square, 803 square feet, sure. But a uh, lot going on here. Uh, but let's, let's start from the top. What is Active 88? I know you started about two years ago with your own brand, obviously, you and Jennifer. Uh, Active 88, obviously, you got a couple models out, but uh, yeah. tell the world about it. Yeah, you know... Um, We've had our orthotic company based here in Boulder since 1988, and, and the name is Active Imprint. Uh, we've made orthotics for 15 Ironman World Champions, Mount Everest climbers, uh, multiple Boston Marathon winners, yada, yada, just goes on and on because we have a 30, you know, 32-year history with that. Um, and then after uh, Jennifer and I left Newton uh, three years ago, uh, we were, you know, reevaluating everything and, um, you know, our orthotics business saved us, you know, so active imprints, um, basically going straight back to that We're, you know, building that business back up, uh, locally and nationally. Um, and then, um, I had a chance to uh, go to China and invite to do run form clinics over there and then, uh, worked with some factory owners and, uh, they invited me to, uh, uh, build some shoes from that. We built a couple of models, uh, uh, you know, a race model and then a train uh, model, which is road trail hybrid, uh, ultra lightweight. So the race model is five and a half ounces for men's nine. And um, our yin yang shoe is, uh, which is road trail hybrid. Uh, that one's about seven and a half ounces for men's nine. So we're staying with our ultra lightweight minimalism that, uh, you know, we created more minimalism than barefoot so we we feel you need protection but we want to have a minimal package right so obviously some cushion uh, they're they are lightweight i've had them on they are lightweight um and, and going back to your roots mentioning the 1988 uh year obviously the one trend for you or the one trait for that is you've been trying to help runners run better move better feel better right uh that yeah, whole time and that's what yeah. you're doing now too yeah 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 so with our heritage of uh active imprints in, in 1988 uh, we just took uh, the two. We took uh, keeping people active since 88, and that's the brand of the, of the footwear, Active 88. So, uh, and then uh, we also uh, created a, uh, a new customizable insole um, uh, from the Active Imprints line, and that's uh, a componentry. So you have wedges and arch components and a, an adaptable forefoot component. Uh, that you can add to that insole. So um, many people are taking that biomechanical portion uh, of taking the new active imprint uh, customizable uh, componentry insole and then putting that into our lightweight shoes. You still have an ultra lightweight package with protection. So our whole thing has always been about we want to keep you minimal so you can understand the ground and get off the ground and stabilize yourself. Um, but... Um, 
you know, in a, in a lightweight package. So we really believe that uh, we don't want you too high off the ground. We don't want the shoe to be overbuilt. We want you to develop natural strength, uh, you know. But as far as foot balance, uh, just a small amount goes a long way with, with our new uh, system. Sure. So you've got shoes, you've got semi-custom insoles, custom insoles, yeah. um, and some other exciting things we'll get to in a second. Um, I have to ask, so after being obviously with Newton, who's one of the founders of Newton, and you were there maybe 12 or 13 years, I'm not sure what that run was, but yeah. uh, what does it feel like to be an entrepreneur, um, being able to design, create? You seem like you're one of these guys that likes to make stuff and to, to, to tinker and obviously come up with solutions for people. What does it feel like to be in that realm again? Yeah, you know, we've always done that, right? We've, we've, always, uh, we've always had, um, you know, even with Active Imprints, uh, we've always been very busy trying to help folks. Um, you know, prior to that, I was in the ski industry up in Aspen, and uh, everybody was coming to us for orthotics for skiing, and they were like, well, do you have something for running because I'm getting fasciitis? And, you know, and that led to me looking at footwear and how footwear was overbuilt, you know, in the heel height. And, uh, you know, with Newton, we were the first folks to um, create drop, right? Because no one even knew what we were talking about. We had a, you know, a fairly level shoe with only two or three millimeter you know, heel differential. Right. Back when all the shoes were uh, yeah. at least 12 mil. Yeah, they were 12 to 15. It was getting crazier. And, you know, now we're seeing that trend with, you know, um, thick midsoles, uh, you know, thick and soft midsoles. And, and we can talk about that later. But uh, um, I, I'm, I mean, sticking with the roots, being an innovator, um, you know, you, you know, you interviewed me in 2006 and you thought I was crazy. Uh, I did. And I, I did. told people, we, you know, I told you that, People are going to think about shoes in a different way, and it's the same thing today. You know, I mean, um, we're we're looking at ways to, uh, and of course, you know, there's shoes for everyone, and there's a there's a there's a multitude of shoes out there now, um, but we're not looking to, you know, be everybody's go-to shoe. But you know, if it works for you, it's going to really really work for you. Um, speaking of how I thought you were crazy, I think we were crazy <laughs> enough to write a book together. And yeah. in 2010, we That's co-authored great. a book. Uh, called natural running, which was really at the at the zenith of what we call the minimalist movement back then. Um, I guess let's talk about that. I mean, obviously, uh, Newton came out at a time when people were rethinking footwear and, and how people ran. Yeah. Obviously, Nike Free had done a lot of things with minimal, low to the ground, very flexible. We all know the story about five fingers, but uh, I guess kind of what do you remember about that era? Yeah. Meaning, it, it, at the turn of the century, uh, in two thousand, shoes were heavy, overbuilt. Yeah thick, high heels. Yeah. What do you remember about how that all came about? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Jennifer and I actually, you know, we started Active Imprints around all that, you know, conundrum of, of high heel shoes, uh, you know, urging people to heel strike. Um, you know, I mean, we really know now for sure. And I found it out, you know, years ago, uh, watching people, I, I was I was the biomechanics and run form coach for Paul and Newby Frazier's multi-sport school of champions back right. in 1988, and all the great triathletes were, um, you know, doing these camps and trying to help these age groupers. And and the biggest thing we noticed is everybody had almost get it right in their gait, and then they had locked their leg out in front of them. And I kept questioning, I wonder why people are doing this. Why do they want to heel strike? And, you know, it turned out, you know, if you add, you know, a high heel, then you want to balance on the heel and you want to put that first. And, uh, you know, as, as we talked about it in the book, I was the first one to point out that, 
geez, you know, as a human, you land in different parts of your foot, depending on the speed in which you're going. So if you're walking, you're going to heel strike. If you're sprinting, you're way up on your forefoot and toes. And if you're running long distance, you're going to land more parallel to the ground, whether that's total midfoot or forefoot touches first and the heel settles and bam, you know, you get your own energy back. So there had, you know, what I find most about shoes, you know, after, you know, mulling this over for years is that, you know, a shoe really influences the runner and what they're doing. Um, And, and we know that now, um, you know, and, uh, in so many ways, companies are still really trying to influence, uh, whether that's high cushion or, uh, you know, plated, you know, cushion with plated, um, shoes are not lasting very long right now. And, uh, even if you're a good runner. So, uh, there's something to that. And, uh, anyhow, I, I saw so much of that for so many years and I actually was one of the first people to do anything about it. I was like, well, let's try to get that out of your way. And with more and more research, we were like, Hey, this wedged heel, if you take that away, um, you're going to land more parallel to the ground right away. You're, right. you're not going to overcompensate and, and, and that, reach out. And that had impacts on the entire uh, running posture, the entire running gait then. Absolutely. Right. We know that, you know, I mean, you just you just do this on your own. I mean, put a half inch heel underneath your your barefoot and stand up and notice how your posture changed. Now take that away and notice how much more balanced and agile you are and how your actual you know posture to your neck and head, you know, change from what's underneath your foot. So absolutely. Yeah, I, th- I think um, certainly at the time of, of uh, minimalism, uh, whatever you want to call it, or this kind of. Uh, uh, reintroduction of running form, all these things that happened from about 2007 to 2011 or so. Um, obviously, Newton was part of that. Newton was a big success initially, and yeah. um, certainly the reasons you just mentioned were a lot of that. I think um, lightweight was a key. You know, mm-hmm. low to the ground was a yep. key. Um, the ability to run better. Um, but then we saw uh, the minimalist movement almost go away overnight, right? Mm-hmm. And we saw maximalism come in. Yeah. And, and then also a couple of things. I think we we saw kind of a return to foam or, 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 you know, return to the idea that, okay, cushion is good to some mm-hmm. extent. And mm-hmm. I, I know you've always said that cushion and protection are necessary in some degree, Yeah. but obviously we went a whole different direction, uh, since about 2011, 12, when obviously boost foam came out, a whole bunch of other foams came out and then eventually where we are now with, uh, carbon fiber plates and all these other things. But I guess, um, were you surprised that the change was that quick to, to, to this back to this foam thing? And also what, what are the takeaways from what, what, that other era still did or still, still can do? Well, you know, first of all, I mean, you know, part of what I was trying to get forward, um, you know, even from the book and, and, and meeting you and knowing you all those years um, was to tell folks that, you know, hey, you need to educate yourself in your human movement and running specifically, right? So ideally, the more you understand about your movement and the timing of that movement and how the timing can be proper. And that's the difference between a really great run and, you know, basically injury a lot of times. So knowing your form, keeping your posture, keeping your cadence, uh, and the timing in which you hit the ground. And I keep saying that, but it really is about timing and balance. Um, if, if I, if I had something to, to say about, um, how that all went down. I, I think tons of people had a great, great experiences. Other people went, you know, fully barefoot from being in a, um, you know, I called it an adaptation period. And we had to coin a lot of phrases because, um, 
you know, if you were running in a, in a 12 millimeter shoe and you decided to get a Newton or anything else that was lower uh, in the heel height, people went from heel striking to a sprint mode, basically, and balancing on the toes. Uh, at that point, you trash your calf and Achilles. And then a lot of people are like, oh, I can't do that, you right. know. So it was, uh, you know, again, education through the book. We were able to teach, you know, through the clinics I did around the world, probably hundreds of thousands of people. And they were privy to uh, kind of one-on-one with coaches uh, that I had trained and said, okay, I understand it now. You know, I got, I got to, I got to get, I land more in my center of mass. Okay. Yep. Right. What, whatever all that was. I think that was wonderful. And I still teach that to this day. Um, and it works tremendously, but you have to have an open mind and you have to have the right shoe on your foot without it. I've, I've had some people, uh, recently that I've tried to teach, uh, with the thick high, you know, high profile shoes and try it yourself. I mean, try a skipping drill in the grass barefoot and then try uh, with the thickest shoe you can get on on concrete. Right. You spend too much time on the ground. You can't be agile. You can't be coordinated. You can't, right? It's, these these yeah. things are your, your cadence, interfering. Your yeah. cadence, your ground contact time are much different. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and, and if I can interject, one no, of the things ahead. I believe about this whole kind of run better, I think it's, it's totally legit to, to, you know, most runners, especially recreational runners, haven't been taught to run or just haven't run um, different than like elite runners who are doing all these drills all the time, sure, right? Sure. But I, I think there's a two-part piece to this change that maybe it was never really explained, but, but certainly doing clinics and then having people do drills is certainly one part of it. Certainly the, the short-term real-time understanding of, of kind of hearing and feeling and sensing the difference is a big part of it. And the other part was always that was kind of lost on people walking in buying a pair of shoes is that long-term commitment to drills, to strength, um, to core strength, to leg strength, to ankle strength, and to posture. And I think that, you know, certainly the people, the proponents that were pushing this saying, hey, you know, do single leg uh, stance drills while you're brushing your teeth, right? right? Exactly. Those kind of things, those commitments would make you eventually um, a stronger athlete and runner overall. Then you could take the drills and the form clinic tips and then, you know, use those in a long-term development pattern. And I think that was, to me, even I was in this business and the media and tied to writing stories and stuff, but like that was always the takeaway. Like a lot of people like jumped in real quick and wanted the quick fix. There's some, some ability for that to happen, but right. it's, but it had to be that back end strength training right. and gait training and stuff like that to really make it stick, you know? And I think Absolutely. that that's maybe unfortunately what was lost because we know that trends are, flash in the pan in this country, but the, yeah. the, I think the people that got that and the yeah. people that did that probably benefited and, yeah. and still benefit, but the people yeah. that didn't maybe missed the boat and then complained, right? Right, right. And then now, I mean, no one's really pushing it out there. I'm, I mean, our small company's not in a position to be, you know, in the limelight, you know, talking about this again, but we're, we, we're heading that way. I think very quickly it went from that, um, and we had that comment, by many companies that said that, uh, hey, Danny, what you did with Newton, um, you, you gave license to a lot of companies to come forward, you know, like on cloud and, and uh, you know, uh, even Hoka and, you know, all these brands that were popping up and, and had enough guts to say, wow, if, if little Newton out of Boulder could do this and we can start a shoe company and the economy was going great and, you know, things were going great. We had a nice running boom and, so the introduction to maximalism, you know, um, you know, came from Hoka and 
I, I think that was, I think there's shoes that are okay for everyone. There's a shoe for everyone, but there's also, um, you know, I mean, you and I like to talk a little bit more about performance. Uh, I think the average Joe can have better performance uh, if they understand about their movement and they have a shoe for that activity. Now, I mean, recovery runs and everybody always asks me about that. It's like, what do you think about the, the higher profile shoes? And I was like, hey, you want to use them as a tool. You don't want to use them as like your main shoe for every day and racing because mm-hmm. you'll never go fast. I can guarantee you that. So if performance is what you're after, then, you know, you're not going to get it because there's too much time on the ground, right? It's simple. It's simple math. Too much time on the ground, too much time for rotation. It's like, you know, running in deep sand, basically. You're right. getting good protection, but you're not going to, you know, <clears throat> activate any of your own elastic, you know, recoil and tap into that. And that's the big deal. Yep. Yeah. I mean, along those lines, I mean, I, I've always been a big proponent of having a quiver of shoes, mm-hmm. um, partially because yep. I have yep. a very big quiver of shoes. But uh, I think that the, the appropriate set of differences and the changes that you put your feet through is, is important. You know, certainly running fast in certain shoes, feeling the ground in certain, certain shoes, and also recovering in other shoes is mm-hmm. important. Yeah. Um, I, I, think that, I think that's key. I think also that... Um, so certainly some of the evolution or some of the brands that emerged uh, after Newton were, you know, key to some of that. Um, but it, seem, it seems like, uh, you know, to your point, I mean, the, the, there are shoes that people can run better in. We, we, all, we all know how bad it is to run in a shoe that's not meant for your gait or for your mm-hmm. foot size or shape. I mean, like, and so I think that's still kind of the missing link, you know, finding the right shoe for you as mm-hmm. the person, right? Because we're all a study of one, right? And there's, yeah. whether you're here in your shop with a handful of models or at a big store with 100 models it's it's about finding that shoe for that person i mean how how does that happen i mean how is yeah. it supposed to happen do you think yeah well i think it's you know well over time it's it's created a a mass confusion and i think that's what we're talking about also with you know when you when you you kind of play look i I've, I've had i've had a specialty run store you know since 1988 and you know i think a lot of you know a lot of well-meaning store owners you know have have been in that same boat, um, years and years and years. And, um, I think over time there was some changes of, um, we need something new and fresh in here. And that's, that's where all the brands start, you know, throwing something at retailers, right? Especially run, uh, throwing it at those guys. I, I think the climate, you know, especially here with COVID and, and all the problems we're having is like retail was hard and now it's going to be even harder. Absolutely. And uh, we, we love a storefront because we can work with people one-on-one and we can operate our web business out of it and we can innovate under the same roof. So for us right now, a small footprint in retail makes total sense. Um, you know, I, I think it's very, it's very hard even for, um, you know, retailers to say, you know, I don't know if I actually believe in that particular shoe or believe in this particular um, methodology of the of the geometry of the shoe. But um, if I don't have it, if I don't carry it, then I'm missing out on sales. Right, right. And that kind of pressure right there, that statement, you know, for retailers, um, why would you want to have, you know, 20 40 60 100 different models on your wall it's just a wall of confusion and at that it's like well you know what do you walk in 
what's your price point? What's your, you know, are you a pronate? Are you a supinator? What all, color do you want, right? I mean, like I know. All, these, all these different variables that cloud the process. So I think there's been a two-part problem, you know, with the industry in general. is like brands thinking they need to build more SKUs makes them more powerful and, you know, larger than life. I mean, I, I couldn't even imagine how many running SKUs, you know, Nike has. I mean, hundreds and hundreds in different price points, different, you know, whatever, different laces, even different colors for sure. I mean, you know, all of these things. And so at the end of the day, it's so wasteful. And part of what we're trying to do with Active 88, even though we're a small little brand is, is build only small batches and sell through and not create a giant enormity of waste. I mean, certainly I think there's room for, you know, a lightweight racer, a training shoe, a trail shoe, and maybe, you know, if we want to, we certainly have the technologies to, to get into, you know, track and field. But, you know, I don't think you need that many models. And even I was talking to a guy that, you know, was with Ultra and they have 40 something models. And I just I just it blows me away. Right. I, I don't I think it's very <clears throat> wasteful, in my opinion. Agreed. From a couple point of view, points of view, I think that like certainly you talk about the carbon footprint of brands and like if you realize uh, behind the scenes, the numbers of models that brands put out right uh, every year with the number of SKUs they put out. Um, and you think about like the, the range of a full size run, right? You have a lot of shoes just to put out one model. Uh, you know, so certain, certainly that there's that. Secondly, I think that what, what people don't really realize is that the, the running industry kind of hampered itself for many years by overproducing because there was so much um, maybe driven by greed, but there was so much uh, demand for shoes. And a lot of people were buying shoes at the same time. There were more brands than ever before. There were more models than ever before, more hype than ever before. Certainly more runners, which was good, or more people buying running shoes uh, for whatever kind of running they were doing. But I think one of the challenges was you'd see more and more discounted last year's model on internet sale tables. And, and the challenge with that is more and more people are buying online, uh, which was already a problem for retailers. But all of a sudden then, when someone can go see a shoe, like, oh, that looks like last year's you know, this or that shoe, for 80 bucks, right? How, how are you ever gonna sell a $130 shoe? How does that help retail? How does it help any brand? How does it help the environment? It doesn't. So I think, I think the, the running shoe industry has really killed itself that way. So your point of view of, of producing just in time with manufacturing seems, seems smart and, and obviously on, on, on point. Well, thank you. I mean, only because we <laughs> had to start all over again from scratch, but that was also, you know, my theory at Newton, you know, you didn't have to have a lot, even, even, even in the midsoles, I was able to make a stability shoe, a neutral shoe, um, you know, uh, whether that was a racer or a trainer just by mixing up the, the midsole. So we used the midsoles multi-purpose. We didn't, you know, just burn through molds and, and, and this, this, I mean, it's all about, you know, being efficient, right? Whether you know, whether you're running or uh, whether you're building shoes, you need to be efficient. And uh, we're trying to find more ways, uh, certainly, certainly with a few tips and balancing the foot. I mean, our minimal shoes are getting five, 600, you know, 700 miles. And, uh, you know, and people are going like, wow, these are amazing. I'm, and there's really nothing to them, right? It's a destructured upper, uh, basically on both shoes. And, um, compared compared to other shoes so the amount of even when you look at the amount of weight that's in a shoe compared to another shoe that's that shows that hey there's there's more there's more structure there's more build there's more material there's more whatever and uh that's one way to judge you know 
what you're putting out there is if it's light, there's less of everything, right? So mm-hmm. anyhow, we're trying to trying to do the the best that we can um, and still influence people to have a wonderful lifelong running experience. Uh, earlier, you mentioned the the challenges of retail, and I, I'm sure people would say, "Why is why is Danny getting back into retail?" For for from my point of view, it makes sense because yeah. you've always been a hands on guy, right? You've always been a guy who wants to work with each runner one on one, and the best retailers out there certainly do that. And but certainly, when you're making um, custom insoles, yeah. uh, helping people retrain their gait, uh, obviously your semi custom insoles, obviously that's it makes uh, makes perfect sense that you're here where you can have people walk in and mm-hmm. say, "Hey." help me. I need to do this. I want to run better. I want to, you know, whatever. So it makes total sense. And I know you started last fall with your grand opening in November, obviously Pearl street mall and in Boulder is a great place to attract people, uh, active fit people. Um, and obviously you've got a, a kind of a full store here with, uh, some of your son's art and some other really cool locally sourced products. Um, but at the same time is, is being in retail, wow, you wake up every day, like obviously now COVID is different, but I mean like being in retail, it's, it's a thing where people have to walk in the door yeah. to some extent to make your, to, the business go. Yeah. Luckily we do have enough going, um, enough sales online and then also working with PTs and chiropractors around the country that send us product. So now that they're back in business, um, we're getting back to norm, not normal, but we're getting back. Um, I, I think it's just the passion of what we do, whether we're trying to design a shoe or whether we're trying to, uh, help a customer overcome some problems. I mean, you know, uh, some folks came up from Longmont, you know, a couple of days ago and they have, you know, two teenage daughter runners and they're both getting shin splints for different reasons. And we balanced them with, uh, with our quick fix orthotic and, and, uh, and they put on some of our shoes and their gait changed tremendously. Just, running up and down the sidewalk. So that right there, that gives me, that's my daily work. If I can do that and help folks and some people say, Oh, you know, that's kind of like, you know, idealistic, that's not reality, but it is reality to me because people do come to us. Uh, my wife, Jennifer and I have been doing this for over 30 years. We love to help people and it's in our blood. And otherwise, you know, like I said earlier, I mean, we'd, we'd be off fishing and we'd sell everything yeah. and, and, and go to, go to France or Italy and goof off. And Just I mean, relax, I don't know, yeah. you know, um, and to that point, you're not trained, uh, as a, as a physical therapist, mm-hmm. but, but I think that certainly, uh, as you said, you've been helping elite athletes, um, uh, run better since 1988 before that a ski boot fitter. I think certainly that hands-on knowledge mm-hmm. is, is so important in understanding those things. Um, understanding how uh, the human foot moves and, and how it controls the body's posture, right? I mean, I think certainly the, you said you work with PTs, obviously, um, and and people trust you based based on your experience. I mean, you 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 helped me uh, get balance before and stuff like that. So it's a unique thing that you obviously have had this uh, sphere of influence um, by kind of learning on your own, but obviously also making product, working with thousands of runners. I mean, that's that's probably got to feel good knowing that you've helped people all along on your own. Yeah. I I mean, that's, I mean, you know, if, you know, if I passed away tomorrow, I'd be a happy man because it's not, it's, you know, it's not gotten me a lot of money. You know, I mean, my, my life wasn't rich monetarily in, in that regard, but rich in helping others. And, you know, I, I know there was a big, you know, article in runner's world several years back about, you know, my passion for doing all this and saying I was evangelist. I mean, I know both my grandfathers were ministers, but you know, you got to find your passion in life and I've always followed it. You know, it's always been around running. I'm not, 
you know, at points I was really obsessed with running and more of an addiction at some times, you know, if I didn't get out for a run, I'd be cranky. Right. And, you know, over time I'd, I'd realize that, you know, it's only a part of what I do and it's not, doesn't define me, but it's a very big part of me. And I had the pleasure to do, you know, Leadville four times and, you know, three day, you know, three day events up in Canada and yada, 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 and all that. And that's just personal accomplishments. And I don't, you know, I don't really, you know, brag about that. That was for me. I did that for me. And I did learn a lot from pushing myself. Uh, you, you go to places where, you, you know, you'll never go if you, if you stay out for 24, 48 hours and, uh, and, uh, you learn a lot about yourself. So the, those were wonderful times for me. And, but now I just enjoy going for a slow run, going for a quick run. You know, I, I love being on the trails and I love running uphill. I mean, run, running uphill is one of my fortes. I can run uphill. So I, I love it. I, I do like that as well. I like running downhill better, but that's just, just me. Um, uh, earlier I mentioned a book we wrote in 2010 uh, called Natural Running. Um, I wrote a book last year uh, called Kixology, The Hype Science Culture and Cool uh, of running shoes. Um, in that book, I kind of told your story, kind of what you alluded to earlier when I met you in 2006 and kind of, you, you kind of took me through everything about, yeah, it's, 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 it's changing, you know, and people are thinking more about the forefoot and things like that. And, 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 you know, I, I, I kind of painted you as a visionary there. And then obviously the whole rest of that, uh, minimalist and kind of revolution of shoe design happened after that. Um, at the time, obviously 2006, it was before Newton launched. And I think you guys launched officially at, 2007, Ralph's Triathlon um, in California, obviously uh, really took the triathlon world and later the running world by storm. Um, you can say what you want about that brand. Obviously, it's still in, in business and everything else across town here, but um, you must have some some good feelings about that whole experience and maybe some bittersweet feelings too. I mean, is there is there anything in your heart that is still unsettled about that or? Uh, you know, no. I mean, you know, you know, like all the good Buddhists say, I mean, things are constantly changing. So, you know, don't really hold on to, to the past, you know, you try to, try to learn from it. And, uh, although it was, it was pretty, pretty painful to see, you know, something that I put all my, you know, time and effort into, you know, uh, basically start to disintegrate after, you know, after five years into it, you know, we ramped it up pretty hard for five years and then, you know, some decisions were made and then, it, you know, then Jennifer and I were pretty much out and, uh, probably should have moved on then. If I had hindsight, I would, I would say that would have been a good time to just, you know, mosey on. But anyhow, um, I'm not going to regret any of that. Uh, I, I, I did see something really cool in the New York times. I mean, we knew that, uh, Newton's shoes had, uh, you know, good energy return to them. But when, uh, when they did an in-depth study of the Vaporfly 4%, uh, Newton distance elite, which I designed, uh, was a 3% shoe and, uh, had been around already, you know, over, over 10, 15, 10 years. That's pretty cool. Um, so that, that was a big, to me to read that, you know, uh, you know, post Newton, I was like, I'm very proud of the shoes I built. Um, you know, um, and also I'm very proud of what we, in, we did with the book, uh, because that did influence other people like even Jay DeShari and other folks around the country to write books, you know, Mark Kukazella, uh, involve them in run clinics. Uh, I was early on on all that. Yeah, we, uh, just think, thinking differently about running. Yeah. We had big seminars here in Boulder where we had everybody in and, and, and talking about, you know, everything from barefoot to, uh, you know, high performance and, 
you know, everything in between, you know, and how things affect. And it was a, it was a really wonderful time because, uh, because of what we were pushing forward and coming from Boulder, I think, uh, the world was really, you know, at least the U S well, we had people from around the world for sure. Uh, that, that, we're very interested in what we're doing and want to learn more and then also wanted to pitch in their opinion. And, you know, um, that, that's the good thing about it. It was very sharing, uh, informative, uh, ins- inspirational, you know, time frame. Yeah. I mean, say what you want about the business model of any, any brand or any, any company that goes through the entrepreneurial to bigger scale, the corporate, um, obviously it's tough. It's, it's not easy, especially yeah. in the running world. And we've seen other shoe brands, come and go or, or struggle or other brands in the running world obviously do the same thing. But I think, I think for me, I think the things that uh, Newton contributed from the outset was obviously uh, that, that rethinking of how to land your feet. Um, certainly whether you were heel, midfoot or forefoot, just understanding that was important. Uh, certainly understanding form better. Uh, I think certainly lighter weight shoes was super important for me. Mm-hmm. I was really turned off in you know, 2000 to 2005 with all the heavy shoes and just really clunky shoes. Uh, I think also, you know, uh, people could say that uh, bright colors came to be in running shoes because of Newton, yeah. um, for sure. So there's a lot of things. It yeah. seems like, you know, I, I know you have your own feelings and, and it, you know, it's hard, but I think certainly now you can still look back on Newton and say, oh, here's what Newton did. Certainly just as Hoka over their legacy will be known for max- maximalism and sure. a lot of the things. But but certainly there's a lot of things that are still remitting through uh, the the industry yeah. that probably started in that era when people said, you know, people would maybe say, oh, I'm not going to wear five fingers or even right. Nike free might be a thing of the past. But right. all that era right. brought things forward into now when you see what's important, lightweight performance, right. you know, just, you know, running better is still there. So that's got to be good too. Yeah. You know, I, I it, there's, you know, I mean, we, again, it's like, you know, whether we're going to work with, uh, you know, elite triathlete or, you know, your grandma, we're going to, we're going to, if, if I could teach you the movement, you know, gram, grandma, honestly, these days, I mean, you could be 50 something years old and be a grandma or whatever. I mean, you, if you understand the movement, you can have the same form as elite athlete. If you work on your flexibility and your form, you may not, you have the VO capacity or, you know, the wherewithal to run fat, you know, that fast, of course not, but you can protect yourself because, you know, as I always pointed out is like, once you understand your movement, your, your human movement, um, then you are your own stability, you are your own cushion, and you are your own energy return. So you become an integral part. Um, it's, you know, footwear is a part of the equation, but you are the driver of the Porsche, you know. So if you understand how to drive the Porsche, then you can run performance style. So that's what I, I've told hundreds of thousands of people that. And you know, however I get, get it across and you go, well, teach me how, show me how, you know, and it's not, you know, it's not the easiest thing to like emulate. You can emulate drills, uh, through video. And we did hundreds of videos, uh, that are still out there, you know, with, with millions of hits. Um, but until you feel it, and that's why I love clinics, because then I can get people to do some drills and say, oh, see, you're not whipping your leg around anymore. Oh, see, you're not, you know, you're not, um, you know, sticking your leg out in front of you and heel striking anymore, are you? I mean, you can feel it. And so once you feel the timing, this is going back to the balance and timing. Once you feel the timing, then you can work on that and you try to continue to have that feeling every time you run and check yourself, right? You know, I always used to say, check yourself before you wreck yourself, right? right? right. So check your form and, uh, you know, um, 
you know, take care of your body. And then, you know, of course, all those other great things, not too much too fast. And, you know, definitely work your flexibility. That's why I love roll recovery and all yep. the stuff that they're doing out of Boulder. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're R8 and R4 rollers and uh, R3s. All, all this stuff is great because you, if you don't maintain, you don't have that range of motion, then you can't have the spring that you find when, you know, you have the right timing. Right. And even if you do have the range of motion, it could be forced or it could be, you know, you have to might, might have to muscle through things without, without yeah. that natural flexibility and flyability. Yeah. You can, you can, uh, you, you limit yourself as a runner. Um, speaking of Boulder, obviously one of the things that was kind of, uh, studied in Boulder was, was some of the 4% shoes that Nike put out up at the university of Colorado. Um, are you surprised that, uh, carbon fiber plates became this big of a thing? Uh, and if, and if I'll pause there for a second, if you back up, we know that carbon fiber plates were used in shoes yeah. in the nineties, in the early two thousands, even Zoot, um, had one, we'll get to Zoot in a second, yeah. but, um, yeah. it, it seems like somebody figured out the, the correct paradigm to use this, uh, dual purpose foam that was both, uh, damping and also very resilient, mm-hmm. but also the carbon fiber plate to use as a lever. Uh, mm-hmm. and it seems to have worked, even though we said that, you know, the first, um, kind of uh, propulsion element in a shoe is really the Newtons. But I mean, whether it be 3%, 4%, 5%, right. um, it seems like it's working. Right. There's, you know, I mean, you know, mechanically you can, you can do a lot of things with footwear, um, but then how do they affect the humans? So, you know, right now the studies are showing that, you know, shoes are breaking down very rapidly. So I, I guess, you know, let's look at it first from economics. I mean, if I want to pay 250 to $280 for a shoe that lasts 150 miles or, le- uh, or less, maybe. or less, um, you know, the PBAX foam is highly resilient, but, you know, compression set is pretty fast. So there's trade-offs to everything. Um, also, then they're just taking a rocker effect, which is usually used to be a midfoot device where it can roll you forward walking, but placing that in your forefoot in my opinion, you're losing a lot of energy because you still have a huge stack height. You're staying in a sprint mold mode and rolling off the forefoot with this sort of, uh, you know, uh, rocker effect in the forefoot and toes. The human toes uh, for levering, you know, should be much, you should get much more from that. And that's why I always worked the flex groove properly uh, with all my past shoes uh, to give you... And then the lower heel height, you know, let's, let's talk about this for a second. It's like, if I go level, parallel level on the forefoot, as opposed to being, you know, pitched too much to a sprint mode, now I can utilize my heel settling to the ground and utilize my, my spring recoil. Well, a lot of people that are running super fast in these already have super, super strong calves. They're very, uh, they're very great turnover, you know, all the great Kenyans are, you know, flying in these things. But, uh, if you step back and look, then there's a large group of them as well, or a large group of fast people that are pronating all over the world. Right. That, uh, that soft heel strike in the back. Yeah. yeah and rotation off the forefoot is, is pretty, uh, you know, uh, can be pretty extreme. The, there again, it goes back to the foot too. If I have, you know, four foot bears or short, you know, or Morton's foot type, then I'm going to rotate pretty hard. So we did see, you know, an uptick of uh, posterior tibialis tendonitis and Achilles tendonitis uh, with with this kind of shoe. Yep. And to your point, I mean, one of the one of the positives of that shoe is said to be 
that when you roll through to the forefoot, you're actually uh, expending less energy off uh, the forefoot and the, the toes as you go into the next stride. The challenge with that is, yeah, you're not really flexing your transverse arch in your forefoot um, and, and getting the toe splay that, that is, is normally part of that natural movement, right? Whether you're wearing uh, a pair of track spikes or your barefoot or whatever, you're, 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 you're eliminating that. So you're saving that energy, but you're also not engaging that full amount of your, your musculature either. That's exactly right. And so that's the mechanical, you know, you know, we can do things mechanically that um, kind of take place, uh, take the place over the foot, or we, which I always try to do is the opposite, like utilize every good part of the foot and let the footwear enhance that. Mm -hmm. So it's just a difference in theory, you know, it's just a difference in theory. And then, you know, it's working at the moment and we'll continue to see what goes on. I think there's also a frequency, you know, same thing about the timing or frequency, you know, I always refer to this, you know, if you're running, you know, you know, five and a half minute pace or faster, maybe that's going to be okay. But if you're in speed slower than that, probably it could probably be pretty harmful. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, <clears throat> I ran some, you know, six fifteen, six thirty runs and nose, and I, I felt much more of a, a rolling effect than when I did run faster. The few times I ran faster than that, I was like, okay, I, I get it. I can feel the sensation. But right. when you're, when you're running slower than that, when you're running seven minute pace, which yeah. is a, a good tempo workout, it's yeah. uh, it feels much more, um, uh, vulnerable back there. Yeah, for sure. Um, you mentioned, uh, I mentioned, sorry, Zoot, uh, a company out of Southern California, which has been making uh, running shoes and triathlon shoes uh, for years. You uh, debuted a new shoe with them last year before Kona. Talk about that and kind of how you integrated with uh, with Zoot after all these years. Uh, well, when we came back, uh, you know, at post-Newton, uh, you know, I had a few people reaching out to me uh, uh, through LinkedIn and uh, Sean O'Shea reached out and said, uh, he's the president of, uh, of Zoot, and he's like, hey, we're out of shoes and, you know, we'd like to get back into footwear and I see you can, you know, you know, do some, you know, custom builds. And so I took one of my models, the Yin Yang, um, which is a seven and a half ounce. Uh, it's a really speedy shoe. It's got a, a good toe spring on it. Uh, there's some good protection. We have some expanded foam, you know, it's a three layer foam construction. Um, so it's a very quality shoe. Um, and so, uh, we put their graphics on it. That's the good thing. I mean, those guys are great with patterns and, and they wanted to have a, uh, a Kona edition. So they did a, uh, you know, a bird of paradise floral print and, uh, some bright colors. And so we launched that in, in Kona and it was a, it was a great blast. They sold out immediately, uh, out of their, their first batch. We call them batches. So, you know, 1500 pairs or less, we, we do produce at a time. And, uh, so, uh, we had some great folks coming to see us in Hawaii and, and congratulating Zoot and our collaboration. And, uh, they're basically their second batch is being built today. So they're even with COVID and everything, they, they have a lot of folks that, that, uh, follow their brand and, and teams and, and clubs, and uh, so uh, their second batch is being produced uh, actually this week. So, so new models with you, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So everything uh, basically, I take their um, their patterns and uh, their wishes, and yep. uh, and then go go build uh, the shoe off of one of my platforms. So we've been in a um, Chinese uh, shoe making factory, and that was eye opening to me. And I wrote about that in my book also, but. Um, You've been over there many different times with probably many different uh, factories and, and suppliers and such. Is, is there a way of simply describing that to 
runners who don't understand that. I mean, it was amazing to me that, that every shoe is built by hand. We think of factories, right? But it's not a it's not a mechanized factory. There are mechanized parts to it, but but every single shoe touches seventy five to one hundred and fifty people in, in the one build. So every single shoe that you get at a running store here comes out of a box was touched and worked on by all those people. And, and to me, that's really it's it's an amazing thing. And I know that the the labor has improved over there and um, etc. Et but I think that uh, knowing that. Uh, Every shoe is handcrafted. Was was really eye opening and special to me, and still is when I put on a pair of shoes. Yeah, but but is there a way to describe that process and that whole that whole building of a shoe um, simply, or uh, maybe maybe there isn't. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's a miraculous thing. I think I think consumers just you know they go, they look at the wall, they pick a color, they put it on, they go, yeah, you know, and you know, but everything behind that is is literally you know hundreds of people. I mean from um, you know, and what you saw was, you know, production. Right, just, pro just the end step. Yeah, the end, the, end, the end product is, you know, going down, you know, a football field. Basically, uh, you know, you have a line that um, people, you know, we start putting the midsole. The midsole's already been put together, and now we're, you know, putting the upper to the bottom and, you know, and, and pressing and making sure the glue's adhering, adhering properly and going through uh, heat tunnels and cooling, you know, chambers afterwards. And these processes, there's probably a hundred and something processes that go on. But prior to that, um, you, got, you got the fabric guys dyeing the fabric. You got your componentry from the upper and the, and the base uh, each part's being made. Sometimes somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. Sh shipping across Asia to be at this factory f for this date. Exactly. With that number of pieces, yeah. Exactly. You know, it kind of starts like, you know, if you place an order, then, you know, uh, the first 30 days are, you know, compiling all the materials and ordering all the materials, uh, everything from eyelets to, you know, to laces and, and then fabric and insoles and, you know, all the parts that go together a shoe and then then they accumulate those and then the uppers being sewn uh so there's many processes and the heat welding and all of that can be done in outside or inside factory and uh once they come together then that's the day that you were you were you were there and with me and understanding that you know each shoe coming down is is being inspected we have what we call quality assurance and quality control i mean you know, if you're, if you're doing quality assurance, you're, you're going to, if something's wrong in the shoe, you're going to stop it before it gets all the way to the end. Otherwise you've built a bad shoe and that's where you, you know, you have B and C grades and right. they end up at an outlet mall because there's, there's flaws in them, right. you know? So, um, you don't want to go all the way through and have to weed those out. So, uh, the guys I work with, we do quality assurance. So we stop things before they're produced yep. and there's less waste. But again, it is a fascinating thing to see. I think you were probably blown away. I've even the first time I was, you know, in a factory with the build going on, um, I was honored because they came up to me. They knew I was a designer as well. They handed me my favorite shoe in my size and they looked at me and presented them. I put them on immediately. And I, you know, again, the line is like 100 yards long. I ran up and down the concrete line and both sides of, of both tables that were producing these shoes stopped and looked at me because I don't know if they had ever seen a runner, you know, even though they the produced factory. running shoes right. all day, yeah. right? So it was kind of, it was like, 
one of the highlights of my you know my life to be able to do that it was like yeah i was it was like electricity right yeah the shoe you designed that you're yeah. running with right there at the factory yeah yeah that's pretty cool that's pretty cool uh another thing happening in asia right now obviously there's a whole kind of revolution of foam going on right and materials and so uh what's possible with with uh shoes now is is exponentially different than it was especially 20 years ago when we just had you know, some, some upper fabrics and EVA and everything else. But now we've got everything that's coming out, lightweight stuff. Right. As we said, not yet durable, right. but certainly some, some lightweight foams and carbon fiber plates and all these different uppers. Uh, what does that do for you as a shoe designer? Does it open up the, the, the canvas to be, uh, you know, more things are possible? Well, I mean, we're looking at it in different ways. I think, you know, the, the industry basically looks at foam really hard to be the medium you know it's the, you know they want it to be the the be all end all medium uh for footwear and you know i i don't i've always looked at foam as sort of like a carrier um you know not too hard not too soft but i always tend to go towards the firmer foams uh because you know typically if you look at that it's like you lose less energy in a firmer foam than you do in a softer foam and i'm i'm always looking at you know efficiencies so there's so many other ways to integrate you know these great things uh stretch and fibers and other things uh that may not be you know on the highest list of of most brands i mean you can tell even from you know, probably 2015, everybody, you know, uh, even with, with Newton in 2007, we were looking at an elastic, you know, an elastomeric um, compound that would, you know, store and retrieve energy, more, more like a trampoline, right? So uh, still, you can't have the foam being your number one source and, in, in, you know, of, of protection and return and you know, the shoe. So, because we're seeing that now, it's like, why would I want to buy a super expensive shoe that breaks down in such a little amount of time? I mean, you and I can go out and, and break down a pair of shoes like that in a month if we wanted to. We right. could go do one race. We could do Leadville and one training run and, and basically, uh, you know, have uh, blown through the shoe. I mean, it's, it's so wasteful, you know, environmentally and monetarily. So, um, you know, that's one of my pet peeves right now. But, you know, Foam is just one component. It can't be all end all. My uh, my father in law is you know he worked for BASF and you know I mean you know things are constantly getting better all the time, right? I mean whether whether it's foams uh, you know or fabrics. I mean there's there's a lot of great innovation. Footwear seems to be pretty slow in really nailing things. So um, you know with all this time down with COVID, we're actually building. Uh, you know, building a new technology here, you know, at Active 88. Can't wait for that. Obviously, you always got something up your sleeve. Um, so to your point, I mean, obviously, it's, it's not so much about um, maybe going forward to be radically different, but you've, you've found what works um, yeah. in a shoe, uh, building w what you know and, yeah. uh, and helping runners one by one, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, in this day and age, too, I mean, there's something to be said about, you know, having something more unique and customizable uh, to your needs as opposed to just, you know, another another product off the shelf that, um, you know, you know, the guts and brains behind that where, you know, maybe I'm just going to take this from something else and this will be our version of that. Right, right. You know, which I don't, I, I like to be independent thinker and, and not to say that I'm going to, you know, Jennifer and I did color, right? Like you said, it's like, and then all of a sudden there was 
a lot of color in the world of running and but there wasn't much in 2007 when we got out there and so it's you know it, I, i've had a lot of great awards i mean i'm i'm really proud i mean you know triathlete magazine gave me uh top top five innovations of all time in 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 the sport of triathlon and it was bringing forward the newton shoe and running you know this discussion of running form that's pretty cool so um you know that and you know many other awards i mean i'm very proud of all that it seems like one of the innovations that brands are working on or maybe trying to um uh, manufacturer is the idea of a custom shoe, right? We all know that everyone right. runs differently right, and right. there's been some uh, attempts to create custom printed midsoles. Um, right. I know that's still a long way off both right. in concept and in scalability, but, yeah. uh, but um, it makes sense because if, if you can figure out a way to make that shoe, as you said, to be something special for that person and how they run or how their anatomy is lined yeah. up, that's a big thing, but, but you're doing it right here, right? I mean, you're you're yeah. essentially doing that already. Yeah, well, that's kind of what we set off in you know, 2008, you know, or excuse me, 1988. It's just like, well, that's the first part is like, let's balance your foot. And that's already, you know, that's been done, but... You know, I worked on, uh, you know, people like, you know, Uta Pippig and, you know, uh, Paula Newby-Frazier, all, kind, all kinds of uh, world-class athletes, uh, Boston Marathon winners, you know, Ironman, uh, you know, champions, Ironman champions. And, and a lot of times we would just do the lightest thi- thing that we could. We would just grab their sock liner, put a wedge on the forefoot, put a little arch cookie in there, we called it, and, and a little heel wedge. And they're like, well, this will do me because I I got to just get through a marathon with this, right? right? As efficiently as possible. Yeah, and so you know what I found over time is like little bit goes a long way, and um, you know with biomechanics, right? Then if you can tame that up with the understanding of form and timing and a, a shoe that gets out of your way, right? That, that's my whole concept right there. It's like let's balance your foot, let's get you some info in your brain and body. And now let's let's put a, a shoe that gets out of your way, and you know, in a lot of cases, enhances uh, now the information that you have. Yep. <clears throat> I was going to ask you as maybe one last question. You know, what's next? People always say, "Well, oh, new materials and new trends and new science lead to something new." We we wouldn't have thought maybe in the year two thousand or even two thousand five we'd be where we are now with some of the shoe design paradigms out there. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, maybe you already answered the question because maybe there doesn't need to be something next always for every runner in that there, there is a way, you know, if you, if you pull back the marketing and you pull back the hype, um, I, I do believe that some of the science that's happened has been beneficial to people understanding gait and how to build shoes. But if you pull back the marketing, which we know has been uh, a rampant part of the industry since the seventies um, and pull back everything else, it, it really is uh, one person at a time running better, right? For, for how their gait moves, for how their body is built for their fitness and and you can do that right now with without any next innovation, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can say let's let's go to um, I'm just go back to just one quick second about oh let's custom build every shoe. You know, I like the idea of being able to, and we're we're kind of kicking that around right now. It's like, you know, I mean, even when I place an order, I have to, you know, I mean, I have to wait 30 days after they're built to get them here. I mean, that's not efficient, but that's the way it's been going on forever. Sea freight, or if I want to pay a ton of money, I can have them air freighted. But I mean, at one, at some point, I'd like to say, like, goes back the way it was, like, you know, hundreds of years ago. Is you got a cobbler, there's there's a there's a place you can go in in your town or in your region and you can have something built right and i hope uh and i i'm certainly i mean people like adidas and other people have been pondering it is like 
you know, can I do something, you know, to build small production footwear? And we're really trying to figure that out. But again, with all the processes and everything, it, it, it's going to take a while. But what we do right now, um, yeah, I can first balance your foot with our, you know, our Active Imprints customizable componentry system. I can do that in about 10 minutes. Look at your feet, balance your foot. You can see it. You can feel it. Then I can put, put one of our lightweight shoes on you, get that, and all of a sudden you're going, okay, and give you a couple of tips, and now you're feeling it. And uh, currently we're working on an elastomeric you know, technology that we can then apply to either model of our shoe. Um, so we're in the super early stages of this, but uh, I mean, we have some, you know, um, some great runners around the country and, and in Boston and California and here in Boulder using the shoes and great feedback. So <clears throat> I look forward to trying those on. Um, and, and, and as always, you're always innovating, obviously for the cause of trying to help people run better. That's, that's a good thing. Um, we've talked about, uh, minimalism. We've talked about maximalism. We talked about Newton, um, shoe design, ultimately, uh, you, you alluded to, but ultimately it comes down to that simple joy of running, right? That simple purity of moving well yeah. under your own power. That, that seems like, you know, that's, that's why I run. Um, that's why it seems like you run, but it's also why, mm-hmm. why you're motivated to help people. That's, and that, that's, that's what it's all about, right? That, yeah. that simple purity and the joy of running. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, some people would be like, you know, they see me at an event or whatever. And it's like, I can't believe you know, Danny, you know, helped me with my form and I felt it, you know, for the first time or whatever. But man, you know, I just kept my mind open all the years that I was running. And, um, you know, a lot of those runs helped me with my past and a lot of them helped me with, you know, sorting out, you know, how I was going to make something, you know, work or manufacturable. Um, a lot of those were, you know, just remembering loved ones, you know, um, you know, running is a great thing. It's just like, uh, especially in these times, you, you open up your mind, you wonder what's going to happen in the future. You, you know, you, 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 you know, are thankful instead of, you know, remorseful about your past. And, um, you know, now you just think about the day. I hope, I hope you just think about the day is all I'm doing. I'm not trying to think too far in the future. I'm just trying to get, you know, you know, hopefully get through the day, enjoy the day, take it for what it is. And running's a big part of that. I'm going running after this. Absolutely. That daily affirmation, right? That <clears throat> for whatever reason makes you feel good, makes you you know feel um, good about life and your body feels good. And you know, you, you go to bed at night with tired legs and that's a good thing. You can start the next day and, and start all over again. That's right, man. That's exactly right. Well, we've been, I've been talking here with uh, Danny Abshire, the proprietor uh, of Active 88 Footwear um, in Boulder, Colorado. He's uh, been an innovator all his life. And um, Danny, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Brian, that's as usual. I mean, thank you so much for taking the time. And it's an honor. I, I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Kixology podcast. Thank you to Danny Abshire and his wife, Jennifer Abshire, for talking about Active 88 Footwear. You can find their new shoes at active88footwear.com and activeimprintsco.com. Or if you're in Boulder, Colorado, visit their store at 1926 14th Street, just off the Pearl Street Mall. Please tune in each week as I talk about all things running shoes, from breakthrough innovations to historic fails, the best sellers of the past, and new innovations of the future. 
Also, be sure to pick up a copy of my book, Kixology, The Hype, Science, Culture, and Cool of Running Shoes, available at velopress.com or amazon.com.